Hey, what's going on? This is Jeremy Thone, Marketing Director of 3PL Systems and host of 3PL Live. I'm excited to share an interview with Greg Roberts. Greg is the Head of Branding and Communications over at Trucker Path. Get into a very interesting conversation on the importance of branding and communication, even on a tight budget. We talk about Nike, Red Bull, all the greats, all the personification of brands through the identity of greatness, like Nike, for example, and Jordan. It's a really interesting conversation, and we even get into a company that Greg randomly came across called Sticker Mule that had a really interesting brand voice about how Sticker Mule does kick-ass stickers. So I think part of branding is also having fun and then obviously being consistent within your brand voice. But anyways, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Greg. Hey, Greg. Thanks for coming on to 3PL Live. I'm excited to have you on the show for a conversation about branding and marketing. But before we get into the conversation, would you just mind introducing yourself and who you're with, what company? Absolutely. Hi, everyone. And Jeremy, thanks for having me on. Greg Roberts. Uh, I run branding and communications for Trucker Path. Happy to be here and uh, certainly happy to be talking about marketing and branding and all things in between. Yeah, absolutely. And you're a guitar person too. I've seen your office and you have a couple of cool guitars up there. So you're a music person as well? I am a music person. You know, I, I went to college uh, to pursue music in a jazz program at the University of North Texas and oh, that's cool. um, found out very quickly that I just wasn't as good as what I thought I was. So uh, ended up uh, getting a marketing degree. So it uh, there's some correlation between music and branding that uh, I hold dear. Oh, interesting. I love music and branding and creativity and all this sort of stuff. So you're speaking right up my alley. But before we get into this conversation, I just wanted to say a couple quotes on just some kind of famous people in the business world. So for one, Jeff Bezos view of branding, your brand is what other people say about you when no one is in the room. Steve Jobs, co-founder of Apple, mentioned branding is much more about than putting a logo on something. It's about aligning everything you do in the pursuit of a singular mission. So I guess just from when we get into this discussion, what is your view of like branding? Like how would you explain it or how, do, how does it, I think that those quotes kind of capture some of it, but what's your view on it? Yeah, I, I um, you certainly can't disagree with any of those quotes. The way I look at it, there's perception and there's reality when it comes mm. to your brand. And the reality is, is, Whatever the perception of your brand is, that's your brand. Mm, and fair. you have to develop it in a way that works for the perception that you want to illuminate in the in the audience or in the in the marketplace. It's critically important. It's hard to get right, but when you do, it has long-lasting effects and it's it's what we really specialize in from a marketing uh, marketing strategy perspective. Mm. It seems like everything is communication and narratives too, right? It's about like storytelling and about just making sure that the brand narrative really resonates with the audience. Like one thing that we did at 3PL is Cameron started off, our CEO Cameron Robertson, he started off as a tech support rep and then he became the CEO. So we kind of used sort of his his own story into some of our branding as well. Do you find that storytelling and, and branding are also kind of part of it and kind of developing this narrative for the company? Unquestionably, I can't help but always think that I, you see the word storytelling used so much in marketing that I think it gets a little bit overused. Mm, but fair. it's the importance of it is is absolutely critical. And Cameron uh, is a great example. He grew with the company and could really embrace the background of the company, what he felt like the company stood for, where the company was going, and so forth. And and he was able able to 
amalgamate a lot of information into how he talked about the company, the brand, and so forth. And that is, that's absolutely critical. Gosh, if you've ever gone wine tasting before, if you've ever gone to a winery before, you will get the perfect example of what storytelling really is. Mm. The wineries are trained to walk you through everything emotional about that, about that brand, about that company, about that winery, how they started, what the owners were inspired by in order to start a winery, what made up, how they came up with the name. And then they bring all of that together in some emotional way that automatically draws you into their brand. Mm. And then they start talking about the individual wines and how that brand extended into the vision of developing that type of wine, that type of flavor profile, and so forth. Mm. That's exactly, that is a perfect example of what we do in marketing and what we do from a brand storytelling perspective. They nail it and they do a really good job of it. If you want a great uh, understanding of how to storytell, go to Napa and spend some time there. You'll, you'll learn a lot. That's a great point. And wine is so fascinating too, because they could make it sound very artistic and very, I love that movie Sideways too, where they they go to all those wineries and they kind of talk about it from a very like poetic point of view. It's interesting too, Red Bull comes to mind as well for like athletic sports. Not like they have anything to do with like guys jumping off a cliff on a snowboard or, you know, going on like a hundred foot wave. But for some reason, when you think of Red Bull, you think of just action sports or just doing extreme things. And it's interesting like how brands do that. They kind of have this this way of connecting like you to like a, a different part of like culture, I guess, to some sort of degree. Is that part of it too, you think? Absolutely. Um, Red Bull does a really good job. Another one that's very similar, you would argue would be Nike where, mm. you know, their brand strategy is an attitude. It mm. is about associating that brand with something that you aspire to be associated with. And mm. if you're a, a daredevil or you're somebody that's too recognized as somebody that likes to take risks or be associated with, with risk taking or whatnot, Red Bull is going to be who you associate with. If you're wanting to position yourself as a good athlete or you want to be a better athlete or you're associated with a sport that is passionate for you, then you're going to migrate to the brand that that pays off that that persona, if you will, or that personality. And Nike just does an amazing job of it by, of course, they spent a lot of money to get there. <laughs> sure. But they have built a brand that really says, if you're tough and you want to be looked as tough and you want to be associated as a tough person and passionate about sports or a specific sport, you're going to associate yourself with our brand and it works incredibly well. It's very interesting, Nike too, like their whole slogan, just do it and just kind of gets you out of your head. But it's interesting how like, how did they go from like a shoe to talking about almost like a, like a personality type or like a, a way of living. It's interesting, like how brands do that. I, it makes me wonder like how they get so slick to do that. Like BMW is like the ultimate driving machine, for example. So like, how do you think that they nail down like what they're probably has something to do with like the target audience and who they're going after? And they kind of probably map that out, I'm assuming to some sort of degree, but What's your just overall thoughts on like how something so big as Nike comes down to a couple words or BMW, which is fascinating, but I'm just kind of curious your thoughts. Yeah. You know, I, I think that that is a great education of, of brands that built something 
that talk to their target audience or talk to the audience that were consuming their products. And they learned more about them. They learned what they like, what they dislike, what they aspire to be and what they aspire their the product to, to be from an overall personality perspective. And they adjusted to that. They weren't always, they weren't always that. They started out as something different and, and they learned a lot about perceptions from their audience and they migrated their brand to pay off on that. And they've done all exceptional work on it. But I'll also say they spent a lot of money to do that. And that's mm. that's something that is very um, that I'm very passionate about because, you know, if you give me a, a half a billion dollar branding budget or marketing budget, I'm going to I'm going to do a good job of building you a brand. But if you give me five thousand dollar budget, that's something very different. And, hmm. you know, Nike back to Nike, you're familiar with the swoosh. Hmm. Well, the swoosh existed for 20 years with the word Nike under it before they removed the word Nike from it mm. or a, a couple of decades in, in around that time frame. That's how dedicated they were, uh, but that's how much time it took and a ton of money to be able to, to do what they did to establish that kind of brand over that time, but they own it. How can others do that that have much less marketing funds uh, those are the challenges that we have as as brand marketers. That's totally a fair point. Nike does have a ton of money. I don't know if you saw the Nike movie too, but that was fascinating to see at the time when they were trying to recruit Jordan to have his own shoe. And I think at that time there wasn't like a whole lot of specific athlete shoe sponsorships. And he actually got a cut of the back end because his mom was a brilliant lady. But it's interesting like how Jordan didn't even want to go to Nike at that time because that everyone, I guess in I don't know, the 90s or 80s, whenever that whole time frame was happening, everyone was really talking about like the Adidas tracksuits and everyone wanted to be a part of Adidas. So it's interesting like how like he even had to be sold. And then once he was sold, it was almost like a personification of his character became like this, like since he was such a elite athlete that I feel like his part of it was kind of huge too with like people wanting to be like as good as Jordan. And he was such a, an all-star basketball player, especially the, kind of remember that one shot that he did that was like from like the free court line where he's kind of soaring through the air. So I don't know. It's interesting like how they, they, they pulled that off, but I, I completely agree with you. Did you see that movie? I did. And I took from that was it was part amazing execution and dedication smarts, if you will, from Nike. Mm. And somebody saw something in Michael Jordan that they felt like he was going to be the perfect fit for what they wanted their brand to be. Mm. And when they got Michael Jordan, that was the catalyst for them to really position themselves the way that they positioned themselves, which they now had an icon for a sport. And to be able to build off of that, boy, they did an amazing job, but they, they took a lot of risks there and they were educated risks and they paid off handsomely. Mm. I'd like to explore that other part too, since a lot of people that listen to this, we probably don't have the budget of like Nike or we wish we did, but you know, in general, we don't necessarily have that kind of fun. So I'd like to explore just like some other ideas for like, I, I mean, podcasting comes to mind, like video content, uh, LinkedIn marketing, social media, things like that. How do you think that people that don't have a budget or smaller teams like, could go out there and still have some impact? I dial that back to 
to really embracing and defining what your brand is. Once once you really do the the due diligence, which I urge everybody to do, really define what your brand DNA is, mm-hmm. um, what you feel like your brand should stand for, also what your brand shouldn't stand for. Mm. Once you define that and really hone in on what a core brand strategy is, that that strategy should should follow you in everything that you do, not just from a marketing perspective, but a product development perspective, a recruiting perspective. Everything should follow that brand strategy. The what I'm dialing in here is that we, you know, a lot of us don't have big marketing budgets. I've spent a number of years in the startup world where we were asked to do big things with incredibly small marketing budgets. Mm. The way to make that work is to make sure that everything that you do, especially from a marketing perspective, from communications, any promotion that you're doing, any uh, speaking engagement that you're doing, everything speaks to the core competencies of the brand. If you do that, all of the dollars that you're spending work so much harder because you're building whatever level of consistency that you can build for that brand um, and maximize it because you are utilizing all of the assets and all of the opportunities that you can to stay on brand. And that's that to me has been the secret of success in, in building brands with small budgets. I love that. Yeah, it's really cool. I want to go back to that quote to Steve Jobs. Branding is about much more than putting on a logo on something. It's about aligning everything you do in pursuit of a singular mission. Reminds me of kind of what you're saying there, because it seems like the companies that do a really good job have a very like like solid like one or two lines that you know exactly what they do or what they're about. And I feel like a lot of companies could use that like that, I don't know, that narrative to kind of talk about exactly what it is that their mission is, their vision, and also their core values, like how they operate internally, which all kind of comes back to like we have a core value at 3PL Systems that every voice matters is one of them. And that innovation is obviously important to us. And that also that psychological safety is big. And I was the one that kind of helped out with innovation and psychological safety. Because to me, like you can't really do big, interesting things if like you feel like you're going to get criticized and judged and before an idea actually grows and gets somewhere. So I, I made it a point to kind of make sure that we had some of that for the people internally to protect them from like not being... Because I, I think that it's just natural for for humans to be a little bit harsh and judgmental in certain situations and it can destroy ideas essentially. Any thoughts on that? Absolutely. You know, and I, and you and your organization there at the 3PL systems do a really good job of kind of staying in your lane, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I mean by that is I've seen, and, and actually be honest with you, I've been part of organizations of where, they are in a lane and they're doing exceptionally well and they have aspirations of getting out of their lane to to do different things. Mm-hmm. That's never a bad idea. It's a bad idea if it doesn't align with the brand and the brand philosophy that you have that support the rest of your legacy business. You see it time and time again where companies launch different services and then as they look at these different revenue opportunities and business opportunities, they say, well, you know what, let's expand the brand in a way that can accommodate all of this other, these other things. If you do it right, 
and you execute on it really well, that can work perfectly for you. If you don't, it really destroys the brand. And as we all know, it takes a long time to build a brand. It doesn't take very long at all to destroy one. So mm-hmm. if you stay aligned with really what your what your vision is and what all the items that encompass what your your brand is, that should permeate through everything that you have in your organization and should permeate into anything that you are looking at from a brand extension perspective. If you if you stay in that discipline, you're always going to do well. And, and, and I think uh, you guys do a great job of that. Oh, I appreciate the compliment. And we appreciate that. What's your thoughts on too, like digging into like, I feel like target audience is like huge, like when you're starting out, especially if you're like a newer startup or you're developing an MVP and minimum viable product. What's your thoughts like on like, how do you think about like who you're trying to go after? Like Trucker Path, for example, you guys have like what, like over a million downloads on your app and you, you, your target audience seems to be a lot of, obviously there's different target audiences depending on like which angle you're looking at, but it seems to be like your, your target audience is with like truck drivers, right? So how do you, for people that are maybe developing a new product, like how do you suggest them looking for like how, how to get deep into that target audience essentially? Sure. Uh, and just to clarify, Trucker Path, we have nearly a, a million users of our app on a monthly basis. We've actually got about 9 million downloads. So is a core target audience for us, uh, the commercial truck driver? Absolutely mm-hmm. is. And what we have done is we have, for those of you that are not familiar with our brand, we have the leading truck navigation, truck driver navigation app in the marketplace, about a third of North American truck drivers use the Trucker Path app for truck navigation, truck safe navigation, I should say, mm-hmm. available parking, other things that are their tools that can really help them in their journey. We've, you know, as a brand, we've expanded our brand to in- incorporate new products and services. One being a, a product, uh, a transportation management system that really caters to fleets. Um, and fleet owners and fleet operators who may not be familiar with the trucker trucker path brand at all mm-hmm. because they're not truck drivers. Sure. How we address that is we make sure that any product or solution that we offer brings in the core asset of our business, and that is the trucker path app. So mm-hmm. our TMS, if you're a fleet manager or fleet operator. You can source loads with our, our TMS, our, our command software package. You can dispatch those loads to a driver and send that information directly to your driver. So the driver now has all of the information they need about where that freight needs to be picked up, where it needs to be delivered. They can get all of their routing and navigation on the app and everything is tied in cohesively and that's how we approach it from a brand perspective. If we, if we just did a TMS out there, it, we'd be in a sea of transportation management systems with no differentiation. Mm. But with that integration with our app, now we have a huge differentiator. And that is a huge selling point for us. The, the main thing to answer your question with regards to target audience is we all start out as marketers in, in assuming what our target audience is for a Mm -hmm. brand, for a product, for a service or whatnot. Mm -hmm. The best learning that I've got with regards to a target audience refinement are two things. One, 
go talk to your customer. Mm. And two, go talk to your sales organization Mm because they're talking to customers. And what you really want is you want unbiased feedback on what people think about your brand, what they like, what they dislike, where we're meeting expectations, where we're not in meeting expectations. And that helps you build your brand and build your product portfolio, but it also helps you refine your target audience Mm. specific to the brand and your your specific offerings out in the marketplace. And I can't urge marketers out there to do more of that. That is the that to me is the most beneficial thing that you can do in an organization uh, from a marketing perspective. Learn who your target audience is by talking to your sales staff and talking to your customers. You nailed it because I feel like when you talk to customers too, they they talk in such a they know the lingo and the language and what words to say in which order that makes sense to their population essentially. So I completely agree with you. And and then also just talking to the salespeople because they, they're the ones that are selling it all day and they kind of know what people are thinking and like how to talk to the, the customers in a way that makes them, I guess, buy the product. So I think that is very wise words. What about the importance of like just like colors, your logo, and just overall like just consistency of like typography and just your kind of brand identity? I know it's like important, but um, what's your thoughts on that? It's funny when I, when I tell people I handle branding, uh, the very first thing that they think of is, oh, so you develop logos. That's <laughs> you're a logo guy. And I tell them, yeah, I'm the I'm the director of shapes and colors. <laughs> sometimes that makes them laugh. Sometimes it makes them scratch their heads. But the reality is, is with regards to visual representation of your brand, everything has to work cohesively. But it's very, very scientific, if you will, to make all of that work very well. Um, you know, there, whatever money that you spend to to hire a good designer that really understands what you want your brand perception to be and to be able to articulate that into a visual representation of what your brand could be, it is it's absolutely critical. But it's also about making sure that the executions along with that brand all work together. I'll give you a great example. I'll make it short. But this morning, I had to go source some window clings Mm -hmm. for truck stops that are members of our new Trucker Path Fuel Network program. Mm -hmm. And I came across uh, online, I came across a company called Sticker Mule. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting name. And I pulled it up and there's a picture of a smiling donkey looking at me. (laughs) That's awesome. And I started to think about it. This is great. Stickers and window clings are fun. This is something that should make me smile and I should have fun putting together. And the whole experience that I had, you know, the we do kick ass stickers, donkey, so forth, all of that tied in and it made me smile. And I ended up putting an order in with them because I felt comfortable that the brand had provided enough legitimacy for me that I could trust it. So there's some trust in the brand. It made me feel comfortable that that brand appeals to me because I like to smile and I think this is kind of a fun project or whatnot. As long as I get that product on time and it's what I expect it to be, I'm always going to go back to that brand because all of those visual components all came together and paid off perfectly. And that's a great example of 
probably something that didn't cost very much to execute. They executed it really well. And I, and those are great. I think that's a great example of how we can do things with, with small marketing budgets, but have a huge impact for a launch of a brand or an enhancement of a brand. What I loved about that one too, with the sticker mule is it kind of had just like a fun brand voice, if you will. They didn't, they weren't too like a, I don't know. I feel like some people make the mistake of being too serious. And I don't know if you've noticed that too. It's just that they're so worried about potentially making a mistake that they come across as robotic to some sort of degree in their copy. I don't know if you've noticed anything like this as well, where like, where some people will even, even like sales reps will start talking like differently around prospects, for example. So I think that it's an interesting point um, that the voice is important. And for, I guess that one was kind of like a playful one, which is interesting. I think that the very, most passionate thing about brands for me are personality. The brand should have a very, very clear personality. If it doesn't, then it's harder It's harder to drive points of differentiation with your brand just from a, a general perception perspective. I really like brands that that really deliver on what their personality needs to be and that, of course, all of their products and services pay off on that on that personality. Those that do that build really strong personalities and stay consistent are the ones that I think have longevity in the marketplace. Mm, love it. Last question for you. Um, wanted to talk a little bit about like establishing trust. I have a couple things that come to mind. Maybe like social proof, for example. There's a great book by Robert Chiodani that talks about influence and how sharing customer reviews like allows other people to sort of step into their shoes and think about it from that perspective, along with like, I guess, social proof. Do you, is there any other things you could think of for establishing trust or that as well? Yeah. You know, one is don't mess up, don't mess <laughs> up your brand. Don't <laughs> sure. do something that is counter to what your, your DNA is to confuse people because when you bring mm. in subjectivity to a brand, then you start bringing up questions on if they're going to deliver on whatever it is that you're expecting that brand to deliver on. It's one, I think it's really about staying consistent with what your core positioning is and what your core set of differentiators are and so forth. The The other part of it is, is the more that you, back to my earlier point, the more consistent that you are with your brand as it as it flows through all of your organization, all of your marketing materials, all of your messaging, all of your PR and so forth, the the more that you dedicate that commitment or you you commit to that that um, strategy, if you will, the more trust that you're going to drive for your brand, it gets to a point where it your your brand becomes stronger than you could ever imagine by doing that. So it's really, really about making a commitment and staying on message and staying on brand over a very long period of time. That and not messing up and not doing something stupid. Those are the things that I think really drive uh, trust in brands. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And just for my own curiosity, when I'm thinking of someone doing something stupid, I think of brands getting political. Is that what you mean by that? Maybe just go getting not going and going into a lane they shouldn't really be getting into, essentially. Like I, I've seen brands do that sometimes where they're just like getting involved in like politics. And I don't really think that ever helps. 
Totally agree. Those are, are um, risks that that people will take sometimes to really try to push the envelope. Especially these days, there's a lot of sensitivities out there that you have to be very cognizant of as you're as you're building brands and as you are doing things that support your brand. It's some risks are worth taking, but some leaps are just not. I certainly don't want to go down rabbit holes like that. And I urge other brands to be very conservative, especially these days Mm. when it comes to those types of decisions. Yeah, that's completely fair. I agree with you. Well, that was a fascinating conversation, Greg. I really loved it. And I'm going to listen to myself to figure out some of my own strategies for looking forward on this. But where do I send people if they want to learn more about you or TruckerPath? Sure. I urge folks to go to truckerpath.com. And of course, uh, I'm Greg Roberts and I can be found on LinkedIn. And um, Jeremy, I really appreciate your time. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for sticking around to the end of that episode. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Greg Roberts over at TruckerPath. I really enjoyed that Nike movie. It was interesting how Nike went after Jordan and Jordan didn't even want to be part of Nike at the time. And how Nike really used the personification of Jordan to really blow up that shoe. And it's interesting how like people, like for example, if like you're into extreme sports or risk, like you might associate yourself with like Red Bull and this whole brand association with like your identity. It's very interesting stuff. Anyways, hope you enjoyed that conversation and we will catch you on the next one.